All right. Metallica is over, which is not a bad thing. Uh, you may know who the guest is. I, well, first off, I'm your host. Welcome to Past Times. I'm your host, Alex Wood, a.k.a. Destroyer H6. I have built up the hype for this interview for the past seven days. Since last week, we had Alan Nato Third on Past Times. Today, we have one of the longest tenured NASCAR YouTubers, someone who's been around for a long time. Johnny Benson has been summoned for this interview. I am here with, yes, Ultimate 23 Dragon. How are you doing today? I'm doing very good. How are you doing? I'm quite well. You know, it's an honor to be interviewing probably the longest tenured NASCAR YouTuber. Um, oh, no, not the longest, but I am up there. Yeah, it's... I don't know who the longest is, but God only knows who's who the longest is. I think it's I think it's Frisky Nixon, if not Balto Racing. Well, I was thinking it was uh, N2SC4R. I don't know about Lombard. I don't know about him for sure. I mean, I was a fan of Lombard, you know, way back in the day, and I, you know, he inspired me to do this whole YouTube thing. And actually, I remember your uh, unluckiest NASCAR driver series. That's the first uh, kind of videos that I started watching. Of course, I started watching Frisky Nixon. Uh, kind of tell first countdown I ever did. Yeah, it was a nice one. I love that one. So first off, uh, <laughs> tell us who you are and uh, what you're about. I am Ultimate 23 Dragon. I am probably the only female content creator in the NASCAR YouTube community. I've been around since uh, basically nine years ago. I just celebrated my nine-year anniversary uh, this past week on YouTube. Actually, you're not the only female content creator. Uh, Alligator123, a.k.a. Alyssa Lukengro, is, but she's not a main NASCAR YouTuber. Now, you and I share something in common. Uh, although I'm too young to remember this. Well, not too young, I remember. Uh, but I have met this guy a couple of times. We both share a common interest, as I mentioned earlier. You and I are both fans of Johnny Benson. Uh, what got you into Johnny? Repeat the question again. What got you, what made Johnny your driver? For me, it was, you know, knowing he's from Grand Rapids, being from St. Joe, and that's only an hour and a half away. And obviously Carson Hosevar and yes, being my friend. Yeah, the driver that Johnny's mentored for years. Yeah, he, he, uh, he's a great kid, he, and he's taken that to the late model ASA ranks. What made Johnny your driver? Was it when he was driving for Bahari Racing Roush, MBV, or even Tyler Jet Motorsports. Like, what made you say, I got to follow this guy? The story of how I got into Johnny Benson is a very bizarre one. Uh, back in 2001, at the fall Talladega race, known as the EA Sports 500, uh, there was that big one at the very end of the race. What happened was is that Bobby Labonte put a bad block on the late, great Bobby Hamilton Sr., and it caused Labonte to spin into Ricky Craven, who then in turn got into Johnny Benson. Now, Labonte flipped and just slid. Craven slid into the wall. But Benson went head on to the wall at full speed. Now, considering that he just turned 11, and we came off six different driver deaths in the last year and a half, and five of them were caused by head injuries, I had feared he was killed instantly. And NBC did nothing to help by interviewing him last, and he looked kind of dazed. 
A few days later, my mom and I were at the Walmart, and we were in the toy aisle, because that's what 11-year-olds do. And back, there was this, back then there was a big plethora of NASCAR stuff because of how popular they were. And I found a 164 die cast of the Eagle One paint scheme for Johnny. Oh, that was a and beautiful had, car. Uh, yeah. And there's a card that comes with it, the Chase the Race card, which I think it's called, and I still have the card to this day. I picked it up, remembering him from that crash, stared into his eyes, and felt something. To this day, I still don't know what that feeling is, but I got that item and have been rooting for him ever since. My grandfather worked with Debbie, his ex-wife. He worked at Modar in Benton Harbor, which is our uh, sister city, and Debbie would come down from KV in Grand Rapids, and everybody at Modar knew Debbie's husband was a racer. And this is probably early 90s. Maybe you could specify what Johnny exactly was doing. What was Johnny doing like in the early 90s? Probably because my grandpa then moved to a company based out in Charlotte, and he'd go down to Charlotte quite often. What did Johnny do in the early 90s? Because I know he had that bad flip at Michigan. Um, (laughs) Which is a story in itself. And that's why I think everybody knew who Johnny Benson was. Like, I I, like Johnny Benson for me, like, he's a West Michigan icon. Of course, I'm from West Michigan. And and his dad even is a West Michigan icon, you know. Um, John and Deb. No, not Deb. I can't remember what his mom's name is. Judy. Judy Benson. Judy, yes. Um, well, I could probably remember that because our local football player, Rob Fredrickson, his mom's name is Judy. And I told you the story about Rob is Don Fredrickson. My dad's he, Rob's dad taught my dad wood shop at St. Joseph High School for um, actually I'll turn my camera on at the end of the video. I have a Green Day uh, CD rack that my dad made in Don Fredrickson's class. And uh, Don passed away about 10 years ago. And uh they lived up in Bear Lake, Michigan. They were neighbors to my great-grandparents. And uh, my dad um, dated my mom. And while they were dating, uh, Don went over to my great-grandparents' house because Rob and his brother Jeff broke my great-grandparents' garage window. My great-grandma was a hot-headed person, and she would get angry. But great-grandpa, he was like, yeah, I understand it because uh, – you know, he, because uh, Jeff and Rob and their sister Peggy were, in in my great-grandma's words, nice kids. And uh, obviously Rob went to the NFL for nine years, played for three teams. He played for the Oakland Raiders uh, for from 95 to 97. 94, his rookie year was uh, with the Los Angeles Raiders. It's still no difference. 98 was Barry Sanders last year with the Detroit Lions which was a homecoming for him, given the fact that he's from St. Joseph, Michigan, as am I. And um, he played for Arizo- for the Arizona Cardinals for the last three years of his career, which he still lives in Arizona to this day. And I also have a connection to former MLB baseball pitcher Matt Manti. His son goes to my school, and uh, we've been friends since the sixth grade. So I've got a lot That's of connections cool. with uh, West Michigan uh, people. And Joyke Bell, I've, I've – uh, I signed up to volunteer for his football camp. He, he was a running back in, in the NFL for six years from Benton Harbor, Michigan. Robert Whaley from Benton Harbor. And uh, Chet Walker graduated from Benton Harbor. And uh, there's one other. Don Hopkins from Benton Harbor. Wilson Chandler is the one uh, playing right now for Benton Harbor. My cousin graduated with uh, the Houston Astros third-round draft selection this year, Jordan Brewer, who's from St. Joe. So uh, – Johnny Benson, yeah, he's uh, – I've got some connections with a lot of people. 
So what got you into YouTube? <laughs> That's also an interesting story. Uh, back when I started going to college, I had a class, uh, ITP251, and one of the requirements is that you update everyone with videos and stuff. That's essentially how this channel actually got started. Because the video is unlisted, but if you can, if you look hard enough, you'll find it. The very first video I did was an ITP251 assignment. <laughs> it's still on YouTube to this day. And I told myself until I got the internet in my place I wouldn't do YouTube, but that kind of forced my hand into that situation. And I, I was actually doing a lot of those videos before I even had a channel. So I just uploaded all of them, and the rest is history. Yeah, you know... You know, I, 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 I wanted to refrain from doing this, but you've come under fire from the last few months uh, from Black, Li Black Lives Matter, Black Flags Matter, as yeah. well as the dumb shit named Jason Jacoby. Um, what's uh, your overall message to people who have been shitting on you? Because I've just started to get to know you and, you know, you're a you're not who you're not who I saw nine years ago on YouTube, the person who gets pissed all the time at NASCAR. You're actually uh, easy to talk to. You're, uh, you actually have, will have a conversation. What do you have to say to people like Darian and, and Jason? Basically, it's like this. When people try to get an outside assumption of someone, it doesn't really work out as well because 95% of the time, what you believe is your reality is not the reality. Like, for example, if people try to test you and all that stuff, there will be some tensions in terms of that kind of thing. And even though Darian and I have tried to repair our relationships, it's a here and there kind of thing. My head wants to forgive him, my heart does not. Because of all that stuff that was going on. Yeah. You know, Darian's come under fire recently for comments he's made. I was upset when Darian made that one racist comment on Twitter. I mean, I could not believe, you <laughs> yeah. know, because he's African-American and he yeah. made a racist comment. Thanks a lot, Kyle Larson. Um, so yeah. an another person who I who actually uh, is from West Michigan that raced in NASCAR was um, Butch Miller from Coopersville. I've been up there a few times. Oh, okay. He raced at my local dirt track for a number of years, Hartford Speedway, where I met Casey Kane. Uh, oh, that's cool. Casey Kane's another one of my favorites, too. Casey Kane, uh, I got some cards of him that I had him sign. Uh, th um, the first race that my family went to after my brother passed away, Casey won, and I told him the story about that. Um, and he's like, oh, man, that's a rough story. And Casey's, I met Casey Kane and Brad Sweet. And Casey was was he's not talkative at all. Brad is. Brad is, Brad and I had a nice little conversation. I was with my grandpa who knew who knew Debbie Benson, and uh, he he talked to him for a little bit, and uh, he got to shake his hand, and uh, yeah, they're both really nice guys. And uh, but Johnny's probably the one that I have the most connection to. Um, maybe I guess I have a little bit of a connection with David Strummy, knowing that I'm. You know, given the fact that I'm friends with his nephew and I met him at Plymouth okay, Speedway cool. in uh, 2009 when he was driving for Penske. So, yeah. I mean, I, Shane Meal is another one that comes to mind from Michigan City, uh -huh. Indiana. Uh, I believe David Strummy actually went to Valparaiso High School because there are like five different high schools in South Bend. And 
and stuff like that. Yeah. So South Bend's a nice little town there, but I we we refer to Michigan to Mishawaka, Indiana as South Bend. Like we're gonna go to Chuck E. Cheese and South Bend, we're really going to Mishawaka. Go to Chuck E. Cheese in Kalamazoo, we're really going to Portage, where Carson Hosevar is from. And I've of course been to Little Kalamazoo Speedway and regular Kalamazoo Speedway, and I uh, got to meet Kelly Joe Hofacker, who's from Kalamazoo, and she yeah. raced at uh, Hartford for a number of years in the factory stock cars. And uh, she raced at Kalamazoo, and that's how, what got me into going to Kalamazoo Speedway. Now, you've got Johnny Benson's autograph. Tell us a story about that. All I did was just get it from somebody. Somebody was able to get it for me. It's it's not as inspiring as you think. We've actually never met. Uh, I live in Virginia, and we have this place called the Virginia Bazaar. It was huge back in our day. And one of the reasons is a huge sports area full of sports stuff football baseball basketball and they did have a little sector for auto racing so basically i just went through all their stuff and there was an autograph johnny benson what they call super cards those big pictures oh yeah his Bahari racing days oh my gosh that that's a that's a throwback and a half i bet probably a throwback and even two throwbacks for you would be the forgotten tenure at roush racing um, which is my autographed picture. So um, this is the basis of the video, unfortunately, that we have to get into. You okay. had a run-in, I believe, with Jason Jacoby. How did the thing with Jason Jacoby start? And kind of what is your – kind of give us like a five-minute synopsis of what happened with Jason. If it's less than five minutes, it's totally fine. <laughs> okay. So back on not October, August 10th, 2020 is when I first saw anything related to him. It was a tweet from my supposed male counterpart on YouTube, also known as Kamikaze Games, who put out a tweet of one of Jason's videos with the tweet saying, is Jacoby okay? I clicked on the video, thought it was kind of weird, and <laughs> when I first saw the video, he noticed he was a Carl Edwards fan. So, as a joke to myself, I said, he's a Carl Edwards fan. No, he's not okay. And this is one of the only times I'm ever going to say this word, and especially in relation to myself, oof. So, basically from there, I started going down a rabbit hole, and within a few hours, I realized something's very wrong here. We have to help this guy somehow. And this kept going and going for the next couple days until he stopped randomly uploading and then people started getting concerns whether he hurt or killed himself. And a few months, not a few months later, a few weeks later, he started blogging on his website again, which was interesting to me because that at least lets me know and others know that he was at least alive. And the next part where he tried to start up a new YouTube channel and Twitter account, I said, oh, this should be interesting. And unlike the June to August channel, which is still up, but none of his videos are up because they're all privated. He had the comments open. So what I noticed with Jason, based on the searches that I have done within that time, is that if anyone directly says, oh, you're autistic, or oh, you're schizophrenic, or hey, Jason, bro, you need to get help, he'll see it as an insult and automatically declare him a troll or an Austin Agonofsky follower, and... From there, I decided that I would do this a bit differently. 
I was, my idea is that I was going to try to befriend him and try to persuade him to try and get help without directly saying it. So I had the idea to try and get into his mindset to try and convince him to get help without bluntly saying it. When he did that one video where he revealed that he was doing all this while his parents were out of town, that's when I knew I was on borrowed time for that particular plan. And I thought I was coming close because one of the ideas I had was to convince him because he likes playing the piano, which I think was a habit forced onto him by his mom. And he's very talented at it, actually. So I had the idea to say, hmm, maybe this NASCAR thing's not working because of all these rude fans and all that stuff. Maybe you should be a concert pianist. To which his response to me was, this is destined in stone. God's not taking my passion away for racing and all that kind of stuff. So that plan failed. But I still try to continue on, and I try to get into the competitive racing mindset to try and get him some help. Because, hey, all these people are saying, oh, you're mentally ill and all that stuff. Why don't you beat them at their own challenge and prove them wrong? How are you going to beat the, how you beat the drivers on the racetrack if you're not going to beat these trolls and their challenges against you when it comes to your health? And by that time, I had run out of time because Jason's parents had discovered all that stuff, deleted everything, and took his technology away again. And now we haven't heard from him in about a week. You obviously saw the video he made about me. Do you think... Do you, what do you think triggered that? I'm not trying to say, you know, that I'm the that this is all me. I'm just trying to say, you know, this is for everybody, but I'm the best example because as I said, I befriended him not when stuff when stuff was happening, but I didn't know about it. And when things started to spiral for him, I was split down the middle. And then I obviously uh, took Mackenzie's side once I remember oh he sent me a picture of his wiener and he and he he sent me nudes of Mackenzie and uh-huh. he started basically beating his meat to pictures of my friends <laughs> what did you think of the video he put out about me and my reaction to it and do you think that that's like a normal gut response or do you think like that's abnormal because uh, I'll tell you another story later um, that as to why I asked that question. Well, based on what I've seen, I think he's aware of the videos that you have done on him, and especially those um, interesting photoshops. <laughs> <laughs> and he's probably going to see that as either creepy or an insult, so now he'll see you as an enemy of sorts instead of a friend. And one of the things that I did notice is that one of your biggest beefs between both of you is that you won't take each other off each other's websites, or as he puts it, because of a misspelling, websteez. Because <laughs> you want him to take you off his friend's page, but in exchange he wants you to take the videos of him off your YouTube channel. And neither one has happened, so... And with I think that's the main trigger of all of this. I told him... Months ago, months before I, when this started to come out, I said, Jason, I'm sorry, man, but can you please take me off your friend's website or the friend's page on your website? He said, buddy, I don't think I can do that. I said, and that's what triggered all this. And I I thought, you know what? When Jason gets arrested, 
I'm going to be the first person to make a video about this. And he says, take me off your YouTube channel. Listen, I've got a right to say this is YouTube and I've got a right to say what I want. But I don't want to be tied to a, to a convicted felon. So, yeah. you know, I've thought about saying, Jason, if you don't take me off your website, I'm suing your ass. And, I, I, you know, I don't care how he sees me. I just want everyone to know that, like, what he's saying about me is not true. And obviously, the yesterday I told you my experience, um, which you're open to ask me questions about that, and, and I'll get that out too. Because it's time for me to just full-on come out, but I will not use the, the girl's name. Um, do you think that what I'm doing, that Jason needs to take me off his website and I – could keep him on my YouTube channel, or do you think there's a double standard there? Uh, based on what I've seen regarding his website, he has added a few new things other than blogs. Like, he added a nutrition label to his website, so he's obviously been doing other updates besides his blogs. But the thing is that Jason, in his current mindset, doesn't want to think of anyone as enemies, even though there are people in his friends tab that he now sees as enemies, like you. Yeah, and, you know, I, this is the biggest thing that, that I'm trying to get out. Like, how does my situation, how does my mental abuse situation compare to Mackenzie's physical abuse situation? Well, the example you gave me in terms of the lady that you're connected to in terms of your story, from my observations based on the information I, I got... It sounds like that she's just one of those, oh, I'm so it ladies that tries to take advantage of any and all men that would flock to her for whatever reason. The Jacoby situation is a bit different because there is a massive mental health illness involved. At least one, if not four. I think the, the girl... girl in your story is just, yeah. Here's the thing. She claims to have mental illnesses. Like, every time she would get upset with me, it'd be, I have PTSD, I have ADHD, I have schizophrenia, I have this, I have that. It's just like, you're telling me a different story every time. You're trying to get me to believe something. You're trying to get right. me to say, you're, and you know, it's not working. And actually, we didn't, she groomed me for about 10 months, coming in and out of my life, trying to get stuff. She finally and I got her and I finally got together in January and then she said um, then she was actually being coached by another guy who she met at a church camp in Grand Rapids who she thought was her soulmate because when she laid eyes on him, she's like, he's my soulmate, which is stupid. And then yeah. we got back together in March and that this guy w wasn't even a factor. She just was more of a scummy bitch. So how about this? Condense the time Jason and Mackenzie knew each other and dated into a year. That Imagine going through that in a year and being a guy, especially a guy who's been bullied for so many years because he loves NASCAR, because he loves rock and roll, mainly punk yeah. rock. Like, Just imagine that. And you're, you've been bullied. Oh, yeah. it, it just imagine. I cannot explain what I had, the depths I had to go through with that. Um, so, 
you know, I assume you probably have a few questions for me regarding that. Uh, I'm going to open the floor for you to ask a few questions about that. Uh, well, the main thing that came to my mind was everyone has concerns about Jason in relation to his parents. So the first thing that came to my mind regarding your situation is how did the girl's parents get involved? Or were they involved in all in terms of her behavior and what was done to you? Okay, so they are very well aware of me, and they're very well aware of what happened. However, they are not aware of what really happened. She basically said she was spewing lies. It's all lies. It's 100% lies. It's, oh, he hurt me. He intended to hurt me. He groomed me. He did this. He... He lied to me. He made all these promises he couldn't keep. I made these promises. I mean, I never promised anything. I said, yeah, I promise I'll love you. But she said, if we have kids, you better love me more than you love the kids. And her parents, I got in contact with her two sisters and they got in contact with her parents. They said, well, we do not condone this behavior at all. And we do not, we did not raise our daughter to be like this. We will keep a closer eye. Well, then when something spiraled out of control, when uh, when more and more details were coming out, both of them got pissed and then lied to their parents. And I thought about, and then, you know, I tried to get in contact with their parents. Their parents were just like, eh. And I had met their parents at, the act, at an acting showcase at Lake Michigan College in Benton Harbor, Michigan, uh, about uh, last April. And they seemed to take a liking to me. And, you know, I thought to myself, okay, well, you know, maybe they know me a little bit. Maybe they'll listen because apparently about 15, 15 of, the thir- of the roughly 35 guys have actually gotten in contact with their parents to notify them about this behavior. Now, just like Jason's parents, this girl's parents enable the behavior. So you can kind of see where this is going. They and she does it behind their back. Now they're final now that she's 18, they're finally stepping up and giving her the help that they think she needs and they're not doing very they're not doing a very good job. However, she has been off Instagram and she has been off TikTok. I just don't know about Facebook. I and I hope and pray that this girl changes. But the but we all know guys who know her personally we all know she's not going to change, especially my friend Jonathan. We all know she's not going to change, and her sisters are afraid she's not going to change. Her one, her oldest sister has children, and she even told me that that the girl that I was involved with is not allowed to see her kids. So to answer your question, I know I went off into a little bit of a tangent, and I apologize okay. about that. But, um, I've been guilty of that myself. But... Um, yeah, yes, her parents are very well aware of it, but they believe the they believe their daughter over guys who are providing facts like such as messages exchanged, like screenshots and dirty pictures she sent. So, yeah, so final answer, basically overall, yes, her parents are very well aware of this behavior and how, but they don't know I think that I think that the fact that they believe their daughter is they don't know these guys. Yeah. 
And going back to a point you said, the parents are now trying to get her help once she turns 18. Uh, based on conversations that I have seen involving Jason with Austin Ardenowski, that's going to be a bit more difficult because once you turn 18, if you're involuntarily committed, you can still refuse treatment after three days. So that's going to be a bit more difficult now that she's of what's called legal age. She basically has not gotten the help. Uh, that's right. and that and that's scary. She needs help. I said, listen, you need help that guys cannot give you. You need to either you need to go to a psychiatric facility because I think it's in her head. She definitely has a mental d- disability or a mental disorder. I just don't know what it is. It sounds like narcissistic personality disorder because she thinks she's all that type and all that stuff. And that's what her sisters said about me. They called me the narcissist when that's very untrue. When they opened the floor for me to ask questions like, hey, what do you think about this? Like, you you honestly think this about me? Because, like I've said, I've been bullied for so many years. And don't call me – like, you have no right to call me a narcissist if – you open the floor yourself. Uh-huh. Interesting. It sounds like they may all have some sort of uh, issue within each other and their own family, and that's devolved into this, and you got caught up in it. Yeah, and that's the unfortunate thing about it. And It really is. The, um... Okay, so her oldest sister, like, as I told her, not her oldest sister, her older sister, told me... I'm going to get a no contact order against you if you talk to me ever again because you're a creep and you're a narcissist. When all I did was I had a small crush on her for like two days. Two days and didn't tell her about it. And then I told her, I'm like, hey, you're telling me I'm attractive. You're opening the floor yourself. You've got a boyfriend. And you're telling me this stuff when you have a boyfriend? And her, And so I think, and she said, Uh, you're threatening me. I'm like, how am I threatening you? You're telling me to do good or you're going to do something bad to me. No, I'm just going to make you realize your full potential. I said, this is exactly what I said. Word for word, what I said, either you better go do something good with your life or I'm going to show you your full potential. And she said, oh, so now you're threatening me. And then her oldest sister, the one with two kids she said she wants to kill herself because she's afraid that I'm quote unquote looking at her through, I don't like looking out at her or something. I don't remember, but she's just, I think that that don't make sense. They're yeah. It's just, she's like, she loves wolves and she, and she thinks she's a witch. She, when I, when the girl that I'm telling you about first came out and told her family, She's like, yeah, you tried to sue my sister and I'm going to curse you. Well, it wasn't until she saw that long message uh, about uh, me asking her for that car. It was like, oh, my gosh, I am. Tell him I'm so sorry because I get into very I get into protective mode when it comes to my sisters. Uh-huh. Yeah, I could see defending the sister, but. It's not always 100%. Like, with Jason's story, not everyone is convinced that Mackenzie's 100% innocent. It doesn't mean she's totally guilty, but 
there are people who believe that she's not totally innocent. You know, it's just like what it's just like my situation. Like I will admit I am not 100% innocent because of my mental state of mind because I was not in a good place mentally when I met her. Yeah. And you know, like Mackenzie, I am so thankful that I am so far away from this relationship. Yeah. Do I believe that Mackenzie's 100% innocent? You know, I think she's probably about 99% innocent, but that 1% could probably be responding to Jason. Well, not or not or getting into a relationship with him, like giving in. If you give in, you know, you can't be stopped. Yeah. So, um, let's go back to uh, NASCAR for a little bit. And uh, first, I, w- I will uh, be advise all these people that this will be an hour-long interview because we have such a special guest. Um, uh, yeah, well, given the fact that your significance in this community, I mean, we've... Yeah, that's uh, true. I mean... <laughs> First, the first female. There's two. But anyway, right. you're like Geraldine. I didn't know about the other lady, by the way, I I never knew about that person. I'll have to check her out. She barely uploads. You're like the Geraldine Ferraro of the NASCAR community. <laughs> you probably know about Geraldine Ferraro, and I'm sorry I made that connection. It's just she's she was the first woman elected to be vice president, and you know Walter Mondale saying, "I'm going to pick a woman as my vice president." That's what got him the nomination, but then look and see what happened uh, in the 84 election. Yeah, same thing happened in 2008 with uh, John McCain, I believe. Yes, he picked dumbass Sarah Palin, the, un- <laughs> the unknown governor from Alaska, who no- who was so convinced that because Canada is right next to Alaska and we're so close to Russia, that she thought she knew everything about foreign policy. And I really liked it. I, I liked. By that logic, all the fishermen on deadliest catch would be diplomats or something. Oh yes. Because they live in Alaska. What I laugh, what I laugh at, or not really what I laugh at, is I loved watching that 1984 vice presidential debate between Geraldine Ferraro and George Walker or George Herbert Walker Bush. She laid into him, and she and she that I think if he had picked a, another woman. Maybe he would have had a little bit more of a chance because Ferrar was so um, inexperienced. But yeah. it's kind of like it's just like if um, Joe Biden picked Gretchen Whitmer. Although, ah. but I think if Biden picked Whitmer, he probably would would be polling higher than he is in Michigan, which he's still leading in Michigan. But. Eh. Well, I go back to the four years ago. I went, like, oh, Hillary's going to win easily. Hillary's going to win easily. This is going to be... Because yeah, the Democrats didn't he, vote. No, it did not happen. Yeah, and you have people like Wild Bill for America who, without Jason Jacoby on YouTube, Wild Bill for America has become the most dangerous YouTuber because of his fascist beliefs. And he wants to actually, he even said, destroy the Democrats and kill the liberal left. And he's based in Daytona. If I'm ever based in a room with him, he's getting punched right in the face. He's getting punched yeah. by a 17-year-old kid when he's like 65. Anyway, let's go back to NASCAR, like I've said. Yes, please. Politics <laughs> is not my thing. Yeah, well, 
the politics is my thing, but, uh, you know, it's just hard to explain. Yeah, I know some about it, but not much. Yeah, but uh, let's talk about your Kevin Grubb video and your Christian uh, Elder yes. video. Christian Elder, I had no idea who in the hell he was. I do remember yeah, Kevin Grubb. I remember Kevin. I remember Kevin Grubb, and I'm 17 years old. I remember a lot of these things. Hell, I remember. Jo- I remember Johnny Benson driving the 360 OTC car when Mayfield left Bill Davis. I think Bill yeah, Lester should have driven that car. That. And there's a specific reason. Too. One of the subsidiary sponsors that came with 360 OTC was the WWE, and I'm into pro wrestling. Oh yeah. Off the internet of Johnny in a 360 OTT driver suit with the WWE logo on it. You probably, sh- you know what? Maybe I could get that signed for you if you have a picture of it. Print it uh, out. It's a digital file. It's not a physical file. Oh, you can get it a physical file if you do it through Amazon. <laughs> but uh, you know, I I wish they would have made a diecast of that car. Whether it's Jeremy Mayfield, Johnny Benson, who was the other driver that drove that car? Oh, who was that? Was it Tyler Walker? Oh my God, Tyler Walker! Jeez, that's a throwback. He drove the truck. Yeah, he. I think he. I think he might have attempted a couple cup races. Let me look. I have to look. I have to look through it as soon as this is over. But I think he was also involved with them at one point. What? Okay. Maybe not the SEC truck. Maybe not the cup car. It was the truck. Um, yeah. You should make a video about Tyler Walker, actually. <laughs> that, well, we'll see. I mean, I, I the think story is a lot more complicated. The thirties. Okay, here it is: Jeremy Mayfield, Mike Skinner, and Johnny Benson. It was Skinner, that's right, because he and Benson were truck teammates. <laughs> I keep forgetting that Skinner competed in a few Cup races that year. Well, I keep forgetting but that Johnny Benson competed in truck in Cup. The biggest choke ever. Yeah, it, you know, uh, you know, uh, trivia. Where did Johnny Benson win his first truck race, and what year was it? It was 2006 at Michigan. And you know, and obviously, you know how special that was because he's from well, yes. he's from West Michigan. That's in Eastern Michigan. I've been to that track so many times. Come up here, you'll love it. But Michigan's one of those tracks that's just like there. It's just there. Well, you get off the highway in Jackson. There's okay, so. Funny story. There's this guy by the name of Eric Brenner, who's from the Jackson area, who met Johnny Benson at uh, Airport Lanes. Johnny Benson stole his date. <laughs> no way. How far back ago was this? Uh, I'll have to send you the video. He said it was in the early 2000s, probably when he was driving for Tyler Jett. Maybe she was a super fan? I don't know. Um... <laughs> Because he was married to Debbie. Uh, he's not yes. married to Debbie anymore. But Oh, really? Yeah, uh, he's mar- He's dating some... I can't remember what her name is. Um, but obviously... Well, she's from Jackson, okay. Michigan. And uh, they live in Mooresville now. She she lived in Mooresville yeah. where she met him. So first off, uh, if you could give us a rundown, or at least give me a rundown, what the hell happened to Tyler Walker? Well, he was suspended in 2007 for violating the drug policy, and we didn't hear much of anything about him, and he has, uh, well, within the time frame that we last heard from him, he was competing in dirt cars like USAC and all that stuff. The only time we've heard of Tyler Walker since was the time he tried to skip bail or some sort, not skip bail, but skip a court date, and all police on a three-state chase? 
I'm not, and when he was finally arrested, he looked way different than what I last remembered him as. He had the dreadlocks and all that stuff, and everything. Says, oh, please. He, uh... Supposedly, as of a couple years ago, he's making a comeback, but I have doubts. Yeah, I mean, I remember him, like, when I saw his mugshot, I was like, What? That's Tyler Walker? Because he had facial hair, dreadlocks. I remember he was a clean-cut, shaven guy. He looked like a, he looked like an army soldier. He looks like David Stemmy's twin. Oh, David's David's bald twin. How about that? Yeah. Um. So, what exactly? Tell us, like, what inspired you to make the Kevin Grubb and Christian Elder videos? Oh man, the Kevin Grubb story affected me since day one because back in those days, it, it started with Shane Neal's first drug suspension. <coughs> When we found out about his suspension before a Dover Cup race in 2003, we heard the substance abuse violation, and I didn't know what that was. My mom heard this, and she goes, ooh. And then she told me it essentially means drugs. I said, what? Drugs is a thing in NASCAR? And basically, I made up my own little rule that anyone who violated the policy was automatically a driver that we automatically boo more than any other, even the dirty drivers. And Kevin Grubb was caught up in this in 2004 with his first suspension. Now, he did come back for a few races in 2006, got suspended again, and at the time, we did not know what had happened there. We thought he just violated again. Fast forward to 2009, where he passed away for suicide, and then all of these different things regarding 2006 came out and says, oh, God, we were totally wrong on him. And we started learning more and more about, we don't have the entire story, but basically everything since. And this actually goes back to the initial issue I had with Black Flags Matter, because the very first debate we had was over Kevin Grubb and Jeremy Mayfield. And I'm still not sure why to this day. I think he thought I was trying to compare two uncomparable stories and all that stuff. And that was really what set me off, was that comparison, because Kevin Grubb's story changed me so much. It's because of his story, we don't do that he declare all drug guys, bad thing anymore. It's now a case-by-case thing, based on my assumptions, what we discover. Because I'm to the point with NASCAR now, there's only one drug suspension that was ever legitimate, and that was Tyler Walker's, because all the other ones are either health ailments, not legitimate in any way, shape, or form, like AJL Meninger's being one Adderall pill, or NASCAR didn't even catch him, like Aaron Fike and supposedly the Tyler Dipple thing. Like, those were police things. NASCAR didn't catch him at all. But anyway, with the Grub video, that story affected me so much that I decided in eight months before the video came out, I should do a video on this. And even doing the video... I still discovered things about Kevin Grubb that we did not know. I did not know about his concussion in 1998 at Gateway until a week before the video was supposed to go out. So I had to basically insert that particular part of the video. That's the only reason it went over an hour. But Kevin Grubb's story really affected me a lot, and it still does to this day. I'm glad that it changed me to be more understanding and perspective, but I hate the way that it had to be that way. With Christian Elder, his story's not well-known at all. And he doesn't know those, what ever happened to guys that you see with some NASCAR reports and all that stuff? 
And when I discovered the thing about what's called methadone, which is a uh, extreme pain pill, I figured this should be a story that someone has to do. Like similar to one of Brock Beard's documentaries, but yeah. the way that I do it. I think so that's essentially how that came about, and that was on a whim. I think that you should do a video about Shane Sieg. I would, someone else, a lot of people have actually told me that. I would love to do a video on Shane Sieg, but the problem there is, is that not everything regarding his story is totally numb. We don't even know why he's gone. Like, I've heard two different things, but I'm not sure either one of them are right. So unless something is confirmed or said by someone who is close to him, that video is going to be impossible by this point. Like, I can try all the searches in the world. I might still not get an answer regarding him. I've been searching since he died. So if I can't yeah, find anything, you sure Same as hell are. Mary Scott Jr. No one knows what happened to him. And that was a couple weeks before Seed. Who are you talking about? Uh, Harry Scott Jr., the guy who was part owner of Turner Scott Morris. Oh, yeah. I know what happened to Nick Harrison, though, the guy who was... Yeah, we all do. That's kind of a weird story, because that was the one thing no one considered. Yeah, it's just like... I never picked up that that vibe from him. Um, yeah. Um, but the, the thing is, you know, with, with our sport, you know, you know... I you know, it's it's a great sport as Jason Jacoby has said sarcastically, <laughs> but um, it is a great sport and that's exactly what happened with me talking to David Green about it. Uh, yeah. I I, I no, obviously notified him and I believe he notified Steve O'Donnell. I believe that you have some questions for me regarding that. Um, ask away. Well, the main thing that comes to my mind is how did David Green get involved with this? Did you contact his Twitter, or is he do, or does he run NASCAR's Twitter, or is it through Facebook? Because I don't have Facebook myself. Okay. So how exactly did you get in contact with David Green? Was it through him directly, or through the NASCAR account? Through him directly on LinkedIn. <laughs> okay, I never would have guessed that. So yeah, that's how I'm in contact with a lot of people on in NASCAR because. I got it when I was trying to, to look for a job and I thought to myself, you know what, since, you know, my family has thought about getting into NASCAR racing and we thought about doing a truck thing and I started getting some NASCAR contact, you know, contacts hoping to find sponsorship. And so I ran, so when Jason was uploading stuff, I told David, you know, I think I need to make you aware of this. And he asked me and, you know, he's like, what's going on? And so I said, well, there's this guy by the name of Jason Jacoby. He's been doing this and that and uh, insulting NASCAR. And I believe you guys need to be aware of it. And I think that someone may need to take action. I think maybe that, you know, you need to um, may possibly look into this and uh, maybe contact one of your higher ups. And then he asked me who who is involved. I told him Dale Earnhardt Jr., it, uh, Junior Motorsports, Hendrick Motorsports, and um, Stewart House Racing. Stewart House, yeah. And uh, he said, "Okay, well, may, I, I'll pass it along, and I could probably get you in contact with someone who works there if you're in if you're not." So I notified Greg Zipidelli and Mike Bagley, not Mike Bagley, <laughs> Mike Davis, the guy okay. who Junior. That makes more sense. The guy who Junior co-hosts Dale Junior Download with, 
And so they, they, uh, I'm still waiting from them, but I sent them all links and, uh, I don't know if they saw it. Maybe they're working with NASCAR. Th- that's all regarding NASCAR. I have yeah. only spoken with David Green and that's pretty much it. I don't know what NASCAR is doing. Did they contact law enforcement? Are they working with Hall County? Are they working with Athens? Are they trying to get in contact with Jason? If they try to get in contact with Jason, there's a 90. 90- What's that? That won't work. The main reason it won't work is because as of this moment, to the best of our knowledge, Jason doesn't have his phone with him. Jason That's doesn't... His parents took it away. Jason's parents are basically treating him like a 13-year-old. I am sorry. That is just how they're treating yeah, him. Yeah, that is true. Like, when I was 13 and I'd get bad grades, my parents would take away my phone. Like, you know, it, or, well, no... Sixth grade because that's when I got a phone and my grades started. And I got really good grades in seventh grade. So anyway, I do online school now through Michigan Virtual. But anyway, um, regarding NASCAR, all I know is that David Green is trying to get is possibly going to get an investigation going. Now he's saying that he said there's no record of because there are a lot of people on LinkedIn and on Facebook saying they're NASCAR drivers that NASCAR doesn't even have a record of. Well, yeah, because they race at local tracks. NASCAR pretty much only has a record of... Of the National Touring Series. Yes. Like, so basically, if you say you're a NASCAR driver, but you compete in like maybe the Modifieds or the Mexico Series or... Uh, Mexico... The it's called now, no luck on that one. Yeah, Unless it's... you're well, well, well known. Yeah, like if it's like... Cup, Xfinity, Truck, Mexico, Canada, European Series. Pretty much all there is. The track, yeah. like Berlin, like prior to being an ASCO driver, Carson Hosevar was in their database. Yes. Because obviously he raced at Berlin and Lil Kalamazoo, which lost, which uh, ended their partnership. with The tracks have a partnership with NASCAR. Berlin actually got the NASCAR partnership when Kalamazoo lost it. Fun fact of the day. Oh. That's interesting. They ended it at Kalamazoo, and then Berlin, uh, I think, bought it. But uh, yeah, regarding NASCAR, that's all I've really talked about with uh, with, with NASCAR. Mm-hmm. Do well, you have- it's good that someone did get in contact with someone, and they actually acknowledged the situation. And I and I thank David for doing that because without him knowing this situation. NASCAR could be in serious danger, and David saw the the um, Jason's body was like greatest NASCAR driver ever. How come we've never heard of him? And I said it's because he thinks he was a NASCAR driver through iRacing. And he said, "Listen, iRacing is not the same as real racing, and you gotta understand that. Just because you can drive a car virtually better than anybody else does not mean it's gonna warrant a ride at the top level." Dale Earnhardt Jr. may have said that when I was. On uh, when I was on um, NASCAR America Fan Friday last year at Chicago, he said, it, I asked him if it compares. I did not ask him if it's the same. Dale Jarrett said, well, I wish I could have gotten behind him to see him and instead of tearing up all the sheet metal and rubber that I did when I was a driver. Best Dale Jarrett impression. Yeah, I, that was actually pretty good, too. Yeah, well, I, I could do a pretty good uh, walk button impression uh, for all oh, the a people. Lot of people can. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know if anybody can do a good uh, 
this good Sterling Marlin impression. I mean, can't be uh, that oh, bad. Steve Burns did it best. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. But uh, I want to know if anybody can really say that uh, this Johnny Benson impression is pretty good. You know what? It's that's not. Close, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a stereotypical Michigan accent. We talk very like like this is my this is me impersonating somebody from Michigan. Well, that's not me doing Johnny. That's just me, someone from Michigan. Like, hey, uh, you want to go to the party store to get some liquor? We're gonna go up north. We're gonna go to the party store, and we're gonna and we're gonna. Uh, what else do we? Say? And you know, make sure to make that Michigan left once you get on I ninety four. Like stuff. I ninety four is actually the longest highway in the country, believe it or not. Well, really? ma- maybe right number two, I think. I ninety four. I'll tell you a story about I ninety four. So my aunt was a cheerleader at Lakeshore High School in Stevensville. NSYNC showed up when they were all at Cracker Barrel, and they oh, were no. staring at the, and they were. St- the cheerleaders weren't staring at NSYNC. NSYNC was staring at the cheerleaders. Typical guy thing. And I think it, it was either Justin or Joey that was staring at them. Lance wasn't. Lance was probably looking at the deer that are that were above the fireplace. <laughs> I'm enrolled at... At that school, uh, Lakeshore High School in Stevensville. Stevensville is a really small town. Like, nobody even knows where it is. St. Joe, Benton Harbor, that's where the Whirlpool World Headquarters are. You probably have a Whirlpool uh, refrigerator or microwave or something. The appliances. Yeah. Ricky Rudd's associate sponsor. That's right. He came to – he actually came to Benton Harbor one time and actually went – I was at the Sagatuck Dune uh, tour – last year and he signed a picture there and he he was there back in the back when he was uh up at whirlpool and uh my mom's cousin got a diecast sign a ryan newman diecast signed by ryan newman at whirlpool so that's neat whirlpool should get in, you know if i were to sponsor you know i think uh and then the ceo tom bitzer his daughter is in my class <laughs> so it's uh his daughter's name is emma so i got so i got quite a few connections here um so uh do you have any other questions for me um well there is one that did cross my mind when i was looking at jason jacoby's friend page look at your file the file said that you were born in moscow is this correct yes it is so what led you and your family to go from Moscow to Michigan? First off, they were they are from Michigan. Oh. They are from Michigan. I was adopted. Oh, okay. So basically, this is the story that I've heard that they had three miscarriages. They decided to adopt to adopt a child, but doctors said, you know, there's. Do not just because you can't have a baby now does not mean that you can that you won't have a biological child down the road, which they later did. We ended up uh, losing him to premature birth. So, oh, that sucked. Um, that's and uh, my vice principal in middle school was like, "What causes you to be the way you are?" And I told her that's why, and she said, 
Well, that gives you no excuse. Just because your brother's dead doesn't mean you get to act however you want. I thought about punching that bitch right in the face. So. Yeah, that, that's that's dumb. Yeah, and, and rude. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, yeah, so that's the story behind it. So if anybody, you know, comes across, like, why it says I... Yes, I was born in Russia, but I've lived the past 17 years uh, here in Michigan. So, in uh, the most romantic city in Michigan, St. Joseph, Michigan. A lovely place <laughs> by the lake, which we're known famous for our, for our, for the bluff and for the lighthouse. Which I actually ah. drew a pic- which I actually painted a picture of for art class in third grade. That's nice. Um, so yeah, I, you know, since this is a little bit longer of an interview, um, I normally we allow one question. You can ask me as many questions as you'd like, actually, because, because uh, <laughs> you've been bombarded with questions for so long. It's now your turn to bombard me with questions. Ryan's not here, <laughs> but if he was, you can bombard him with questions. So, uh, the floor is actually yours now. Okay. So, based on the conversation that we had, you have a connection with weight models. Are you a team member or a driver? Okay, <laughs> that's a funny. That's a funny story there. So, um, I grew up, like I said, in St. Joseph, Michigan, which is about forty minutes from Hartford. Late models, yes and no. I mean, like, I actually was offered a shot to test a late model, but I was too young. Ah, and okay. so I actually have how, had a. How young were you? Th- Twelve. You had to be thirteen. <laughs> so Carson Hosevar was really young. <laughs> but uh, you're probably wondering how did I know Car? How do I know Carson Hosevar? I would assume it's because he's from the area. He yes. Well, we had a few connections when we were younger, but it was a mutual friend named McKenna Snyder from Battle Creek, which okay. is where the Kellogg's complex is. Pfizer. You know, Pfizer was at when Mark Martin was sponsored by Viagra. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make the joke there. Um, I know. I know. But uh, speaking of which, I saw a Mark Martin Viagra fire suit that was actually raced more, and I thought about getting it, but I'm like, nah, I don't want to get made fun of. Hey, what's up there, Floppy? But, yeah, so. Uh, they were their world headquarters used to be in um, Kalamazoo, which isn't which isn't far from Portage, where Carson's from. But uh, I I, pro- I don't even know if I per se met Carson uh, years ago, but uh, I pro- her, our paths probably did cross. Um, so because his name was familiar, my name has been brought up a few times with him. Technically, I am a team member because I've helped Carson out a little bit. Um, Johnny Benson, uh, he's just a mutual friend, uh, of a friend. So that's kind of how that, I see. that's kind of how that developed. And I've spoken with him, uh, probably about three or four times. And I brought your name up. I brought your real name up, not your YouTube channel. He probably knows you by your YouTube channel. <laughs> that, that would be cool if he did, but I doubt it. Yeah. Um, you've never really given out your real name, so I'm not going to express your real name out here because uh, Thank pri- you. privacy concerns. Like, there are a few people in the community who actually know my real first name. No one knows my last name. Okay. Well, I, I know both, so but I'm not going to say Yeah. It. And that's why your episode's going to be titled uh, Ultimate 23 Dragon. 
instead of your real name. Joey Tartamella. Yeah, that's what I'm known by most on the internet. Joey, T- Joey Tartamella asked if I use if I could use his real name instead of uh, Jack Hammer Nine Two, as long as that was in the description. Uh, yeah, so I'm open to any and all questions regarding you know racing, NASCAR, Johnny, or Jason, or uh, the girl for that matter, because I know you have questions for all of those. <laughs> So, for your safety purposes, the one thing regarding the girl is, what was the la- when was the last time that you have actually had contact with her? Shit, that probably... Well... Last time we had, a, we had a conversation where she wasn't screaming at me was the day before we broke up. Because she... It started out when I said, do you want me to leave you or something? Because she wanted me to get her that car. And I said, and it wasn't in my budget. So I would yeah. say the last time we talked was probably like late April to mid-May of this year. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Well, as long as you stay away from her and her family, you should be in good shape. Which, which I have done... And I, believe me, I have done it. Um, That's good. Yeah, so, I, you know, there are a few questions. You know, I, I know for a fact you have a lot of questions. Um, I, I assume you'd like to know how I got started in this YouTube thing. That was going to be my YouTube-related question. Okay, so it was 2014 when I first got YouTube. My original mm-hmm. channel was called Jeff Gordon Fan 24 Die Hard Gordon. I think fan. I might have seen you one a couple times on that particular account. You know what? I actually subscribed to you on that account. I commented. That might be why. I commented on a few of your posts, on a few of your videos at the time. I even stole yeah. some of your content. <laughs> but but I gave you and Frisky Nixon credit. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was the it was the picture of Jeff Gordon. The the professional picture. And um, I was a big Joseph Lombard fan. Huge Joseph ah. Lombard fan. Still am to this day. I mean, jo- Joseph kind of dissed me on that channel. He probably didn't know he was dissing a 12, 13-year-old kid. Uh, when I start, yeah, when I... Joseph... I don't think Joseph really realizes what his audience is because one of my most loyal subscribers actually told me about how Joseph Lombard blocked him on Twitter because Joseph didn't believe that he was autistic. Joseph didn't believe that Joseph was autistic or the guy. No, no one of my one of my uh, most loyal YouTubers. Oh, you know, I'm shocked that I'm not in your YouTubian buddies um, tab yet. Which I'll... <laughs> oh, that's because we just met, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you know what? Finally found you through the Jason Jacoby investigations that I've been doing myself. Jason Jacoby scandal is what I'm calling it, but yeah, Jeff Gordon fan twenty four was the original channel. Um, when I was 13, I uploaded a video, uh, a fake bloopers video that my family got, well, my family got a hold of that one. And, um, my parents told me to take it down. So I was off YouTube for about a, all of 2016. I got back on YouTube with Black Day Guy 02, which was my music account from with another insane girl I was involved with. Uh, that was a long distance relationship that I don't want to get into, I took that one down, and then later that year, I started the Destroyer H6 brand. This is actually my 
fourth go around with Destroyer H6. The first time kids from school found me and attempted to beat me up with it. The second time my family found it and my dad subscribed and he was dictating the content that I was putting on YouTube. Basically, I was living... Did you know it was him? I knew it was him. He was... Because he took my internet away for uploading a reaction to Big Bill Hell's Cars. <laughs> okay. Is that a car dealership in Hell, Michigan? <laughs> no, it's a fake video uh, that people uploaded uh, of, a, of a car dealership in, uh, in uh, Baltimore. And, uh, oh, Urinating Tree must have used that one. That must be who I'm thinking of. This I'm going to tell you something about uh, Hell, Michigan. It's okay. it's a small town that I have been to. Um, <laughs> it's actually a nice town. Uh, the story behind that is that was a census populated area. I can't remember what it was called. Hell's Hell's like Baroda, Michigan. Like people live there, and people tour. Corona, Michigan. <laughs> No, there's not a town called Corona, Michigan, but okay. but uh, he- but hell is like Baroda. People. Oh, uh, Baroda, got it. <laughs> no, no, it's Baroda. That's that Lakeshore and Steve. Lakeshore is Stevensville and Saint Joseph, Michigan, or Stevensville and Baroda, Michigan. River Valley High School is Three Oaks and Sawyer, Michigan. River Valley is actually where Matt Manti went to school. Former ah. former baseball player we talked about yesterday, mm-hmm. and um, so people would bully me about YouTube, and so I took that down. And now, no a nobody from school knows about this channel. B my only one of one family member knows about this channel. It's my cousin who designed the logo. Now ah. there will be another channel called Beyond Destroyer H Six one day for my Patreon subscribers. If okay. anyone wants to subscribe to Patreon, that will feature the old logo, and merch will actually feature the old logo that uh, Zach Gamer three hundred and sixty designed. Nice. So uh, yeah, I was Jeff Gordon fan twenty four. If anybody wants to know that, when I had a much higher pitched voice. <laughs> yeah, before puberty kicks in, right? I actually, uh, sort of. Yeah, I kind of hit puberty a little bit earlier, but uh, yeah. So, I'm in the same boat. Um, so yeah, I, I assume you probably have a, a another question about Jason. <laughs> well, I think the main thing, besides the fact that he's obviously doing okay at this point, that I think that everyone would want to know most is basically the eye racing aspect of it, because there's a lot of people who don't know the rest of the story they're just coming on in through austin's videos they don't know the rest of the story through eye racing and that stuff like the custom driver suits which was uh interesting and there's also the assumptions that he may or may not have been actually good he wasn't that good yeah i have seen highlights on youtube that are still up about him winning races but from what i understand he was actually more of a mid-pack driver yeah, if he was a mid-pack driver on iRacing, like I don't understand why he was so obsessed with it. You know, he contacted Chase Briscoe and asked to borrow his fire yeah. suit. Rumor has it he didn't give it back. 
Oh, I hit my computer there. But uh, you're, you know what he... That's one of Jason's blogs that is up in the air. It appears that he did try to return it, but it either never got back to him or might have gotten lost or something. But that's totally unknown at this point. Uh, I can I I mean maybe one day I'll ask I'll ask Chase but he asked to borrow my racing helmet. Okay. I said Jason that helmet was custom made f- to fit my head. Everything regarding racing whether it's the test outfit or whatever because I've tested I actually tested a late model a few years ago. Everything was custom made for me because I'm 6 feet, my head is oddly shaped, uh, kind of like my economics teacher when I took economics last year, college economics. He he was a varsity basketball coach at my school, and some people have oddly shaped skulls. <laughs> that's kind of a question. That's kind of weird, but hey, that's besides yeah. the point. Jason asked to borrow my fire suit and my gloves, and he basically asked to, buy, to borrow a full fire suit. I said, Jason, I've only got one, and I'm sorry, but you can't borrow it. I need it. So... Hopefully what I don't know why now I'm actually scared for Chase Briscoe's sake. You've got the favorite for the Xfinity Series champion. This with all this and him being linked to him, there is the possibility that Chase may not get a ride in NASCAR. That Chase may have opportunities taken away from him. Do you No, I doubt that very seriously. Because no one's going to say, oh, you tried to befriend this guy, so we're not going to give you a right. No, that, that's not usually how it works. That's, that's actually pretty dumb. And honestly, if that would ever happen, Chase could easily sue them for defamation on that one. So. Well, he could sue Jason for defamation, which I think a lot of people are going to – Jason's going to have a lot of shit coming out about him. Oh, by the way, it's okay for you to swear. I mean, I really don't give a shit. Because I've been oh, dr- that's okay. <laughs> Well, you used to swear a lot in your videos. Yeah, I, back in the older days I did because my dad, he cussed like a sailor, and I basically picked up on that. <laughs> so did my mom to a, to a degree. Yeah. Um, Especially during NASCAR races. <laughs> oh, I still do during NASCAR races. I, I fear for my children. Um. Yeah, it's why I started adapting using code words and all that stuff for different cuss words and stuff. Like, you hear me say freakazoid a lot. When I say freakazoid, I actually mean another F word. I know what that word is. I mean one of the two B word cuss words. (laughs) Uh, Kyle's the bitch. Kurt's the bastard. Thanks, Michael Mertz. Um. I actually never knew what he said that. I just recently subscribed to him back in the beginning of the year. That actually makes sense. Bushy, bushy bitch is Kyle. Bushy, bushy bastard is Kurt. Giggles Logano, yeah, Mr. Magoo I mean, for Chase. Why does he call um, Chase Elliott Mr. Magoo? He doesn't look like Mr. Magoo. Jeff Gordon Ramsay. One of the subscribers in a live stream did. He said, let's make up a nickname for Chase Elliott. Someone put that, and he's been stuck with it ever since. What about Casey Cocaine? No, it's uh, Candy Cane. He calls him Candy Cane, but I call him Casey Cocaine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, for for Jack Sprague, Spring Lake, Michigan, I call him Jack Spratt. Uh, I can see why. Uh, I can't remember what I called Johnny Benson. Um, I probably just called him Nasal because of how nasal he talks. <laughs> that, reminds me of a, that reminds me of a high school experience. <laughs> This goes back to 
coincidence that I didn't have that many videotapes. And one of the things that I recorded was an interview from Johnny in 2004. Was it 2004? Yeah, it was 2004 at New Hampshire, the race that ended early because it went dark, the Travis Quapple one in the truck series. So my late grandmother on my mom's side, I was trying to get grandma to see what she thinks about certain people, and Johnny was on the screen. And during the interview, I asked Emma, what do you think about this guy? And he and she says, he's nice. Two seconds later, she goes, and I quote, my golly, he's got a big schnauz. <laughs> I look back at her slowly and say, do what? <laughs> I, I got a question regarding Johnny, because you may know this better than I do. After 2003, okay. he was obviously let go from MBV Motorsports. Now, did he drive for MBV Motorsports or MB2 Motorsports? And it's, classified, it's technically both, but it's classified as MBV because when Valvoline left Mark Martin, they wanted to sponsor what's now the uh, Valvoline car that Johnny was driving, but in exchange for partial ownership. Okay. And that's how his ride is classified as MBV instead of MB2, even though it is technically the same team. Yeah, and Jerry Nadeau and Ken Schrader were MB2. Now, what was MB Sutton Motorsports that Boris said drove for? I think that's a different team altogether. Okay, because in NASCAR 06, it has Scott Riggs, jo- uh, not Johnny, Joe Nemechek, and um, Boris said as teammates. So I, I just wanted to clear that up. What did Johnny do after he was let go from MBV Motorsports? Because I know he raced for Phoenix Racing. Because I remember. Yeah, Phoenix Racing was the next destination. He was going to run the entire season there. But before Richmond, of all events, he was let go from both rides. And Jamie McMurray took the Bush ride for at least one race. And Bobby Hamilton Jr. took the Cup ride, at least for that event. Uh, Johnny was out of a ride until, for whatever reason, uh, Matt Kenseth's back then Bush team contacted him to run Kentucky. And honestly, I thought it was a joke until Johnny crashed out and then he got out of the car and says, Holy cow, he was there, because I didn't think it was actually him. And then sometime down the line, he got involved with Bill Davis Racing with the 23, and the rest is history. He was really good driving for uh, for Bill Davis. Obviously, 2008 Truck Series champion. Who did he drive for when he won the Bush Championship? Three years. What's that? What was your question? Yeah, I was going to mention the fact that he's won 14 races in a three-year span. If he was actually allowed to continue with Bill Davis Racing, I could easily see him having at least 45 wins up to this point. What caused him to go from uh, Bill Davis to um, Kyle Busch? Well, it wasn't Kyle Busch initially. What happened was that at the end of 2008, he said that he was leaving Bill Davis Racing. And after we found out all the stuff regarding Bill Davis Racing, I'm convinced he knew Bill Davis Racing was going to shut down after the end of the season, regardless of whether he won the championship or not. So after that, in 2009, he initially got the one truck with uh, what's formerly known as Red Horse Racing. Oh, yeah. And he competed and was was in contention to win a couple times, but the most notable is the Kansas Rain incident where Mike Skinner won. Thank you, Rain. And then before Michigan, of all events... They let Johnny go under the excuse that they didn't have sponsorship. And yet they bring in Timothy Peters, who doesn't have sponsorship either. So, And then we had that whole super modified thing happen. And oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a near disaster. 
I was there. So you were there? Yep. Yeah, that was okay. That was a very scary ordeal for me. It was even worse than 2002 because I was at the Richmond race where Brian Vickers injured him at Richmond. Tell tell the people enough. tell the people about the rib injuries, both rib injuries from 2002, and then what was your reaction to him winning Rockingham? <laughs> All right, so 2002, I went to the Richmond Bush race in the springtime, which was the 2002 Hard Race 250. So. I did not know that Johnny was going to be in the race because qualifying was rained out, but he got in because of the past champions provisional. And that was actually the first time I managed to buy Johnny Benson gear at the racetrack. I bought a hat, which I no longer have because one of my friends ruined it, and a t-shirt, which I still have to this day. It's the one you usually see me wear a lot in my videos. Okay. Is it is it a Valvoline shirt? Yes. Maybe you could help me find uh, some Johnny Benson gear if I lose this bet to Carson. <laughs> Do. You know what? How about the? How about you announce the bet instead of me? Because I think because uh, we're finally <laughs> we're finally gonna announce this. The uh, bet you had with Carson? Yeah. Okay, so from what I understand, because this is kind of cute, you and Carson made a bet about if Carson won a race in the Truck Series in 2020. Uh, basically, you would, be, you would be wearing a bunch of Benson gear, correct? Yes, we'd go up to Grand Rapids, to the Craig's Cruisers there, where Johnny used to frequent. Ah. I got to meet Kyle Bushy Bushy Bitch there uh, <laughs> when he was there. And uh, I actually got to race against him. He passed me a couple times. Ah. But uh, I told him, <laughs> hey, good race, and shook his hand, and uh, he was a good guy. That's good. But, uh, but if Carson does not manage to win, you would have Carson wear a t-shirt with your logo on it. And uh, I'd be wearing a shirt. Uh, I'd be wearing a special shirt, too. <laughs> Just blow his face up on a shirt and I would wear it. He doesn't know about that part. Uh, <laughs> hey, Carson, if you're watching this, which he might be, um, yeah, good luck, man. The reason why the reason why I did that is because he's doing so good in late models. He's, he is. He's oh my god. He's and he's been steadily improving in the truck series. Yeah, you know I was at Eldora last year, even. Ah. And I, I don't. And he was in that race as well. Yeah, I actually, that's actually I, I went down to the pits and said, "Hey, good luck, and man." I'm correct. Johnny was also there too. Yeah, that that's the first time I actually physically met Johnny. That's cool. I'm like, and no way, Johnny Benson. What's that? <laughs> and the only reason I know that is because Reddit brought it up. Yeah. I was like, no way, Johnny Benson, you're a legend. He's like, well, maybe not a legend, but you know, I, you know, maybe he in the Berlin. Is. Berlin. He'll probably deny it, but he is. He really is. Berlin. Yeah, that that There's is. There's not many people in NASCAR who say they have won championships in at least two of the three national touring series. So talk about now. Obviously, you witnessed Johnny break his ribs at Richmond in person. What about when he broke his ribs at Daytona? Um, that was on TV, and this well it goes back to what Vickers did because I was in turn one when Benson broke his ribs at Richmond. And initially, I couldn't see it because he was on. He was in turn four when this happened. Okay. And I counted all the cars that went by, and I noticed he didn't go by. He says, 
uh-oh, it's him. Now, a few, a few minutes later, the fan behind me notices my Benson gear, taps me on the shoulder and told me, hey, Johnny might have some broken ribs. And I thanked him for giving me the info. And because I was 11, I'm going, what's a rib? Like, back then you knew the basics of the human body. Head, chest, stomach, legs, arms, that kind of stuff. I didn't know what a rib was. And I guess it's because of panic, but I, but I convinced myself that ribs were vertebrae, because that's how panicky I was back then. So before we left, I convinced my dad to buy me a Benson picture for six bucks at the track. And I still have that picture to this day. What's the picture of? It's basically him next to his uh, Babylon card homestead. Oh. The old homestead. Flat as homestead. For Daytona, as for Daytona, what happened there was is that Johnny gets crashed very early in the race by Michael Waltrip, of all people. The eventual winner who got cushions thrown at him, which I'm glad that happened because he wrecked Johnny Benson, and the race ended under caution. Junior should have won. And it was a debatable because of the red flag rule at the time, and it was borderline. But I will give Mikey credit on one thing. Because he was going to do something else and had to miss, I don't know if you remember this show, it's called Inside Winston Cup. I remember. Michael Waltrip, Johnny Benson, and Kenny Schrader were the three main guys on the show. Yes. None of them were there for the Daytona episode because Schrader was on vacation, Mikey was doing a victory tour, and Johnny was in the hospital. They did a pre-recorded interview with Mikey as soon as the race ended. Half the time he talked about the race, and the other half he was just apologizing to Johnny. He, He actually was flipped out over it. So I'll give him credit for that. But, yeah, that was not a good ordeal. Oh, and here's the funnier part. The crash that took out Benson also caused damage to Schrader's car. And then there was that one uh, race where all, where all uh, six Hendrick engines blew. Oh, that was Talladega. That's a, <laughs> I actually had no clue that MB2, MBV had a connection to Hendrick until ne- that. Neither did I. Be- that was really what started the assumption that the late Benny Parsons, his little trophy thing called the Golden Betty was cursed because the main engine builder for Hendrick got the Golden Betty that week for the prior race, and then in Talladega, all six of the engines blow up. And then at uh, Phoenix, you can see James Ince and the team running away from Johnny, or not Johnny, Benny. I was at a Roses, and was going to miss the first part of the race, but I did see the pre-race stuff and saw that. I just start laughing. (laughs) I was Johnny that year. I'm not surprised they ran away from it. I was in Russia still. I was, you know, I think Johnny's Lone Cup win was the first race I was alive for. Going back to that race, oh. what did you think of that race? It was a good race there. First off, oh yeah, Rockingham. <laughs> I know he'll say Berlin because I saw an interview with him recently on another podcast, but. Uh, to me, his best track was Rockingham, far and away. He loved Rockingham. And I was in the hallway area between the kitchen and the living room, because it was essentially, to a certain extent, a fuel mileage race. And I thought with his luck, it was going to happen again, and then Mark Martin would snatch the win, but it didn't. And when Johnny won, I went bonkers all over that house. <laughs> Johnny was screwed a week or was it a week prior to that when Kurt Bush won or was it two weeks? It was a couple weeks before at Martinsville. It was I think it was the day before my was it the day before before or after? I don't it was remember. Somewhere around my birthday. I re- that, that Martinsville race happened. I tell you, it was the day before. 
I tell you what, the uh, NASCAR Thunder 2004 challenge is Kurt Busch. Johnny was giving me hell on that one. So I failed the challenge for ramming him into the tire barrier. And they said, reckless driving. I'm like, God damn I don't it. know what it is, but the net, but EA Sports, who did those games, always gave Benson the hard challenges. 99% of people who played the Thunder challenges to this day will say that Johnny's challenge from the 2001 Winston Open is far and away the hardest challenge you'll ever have. Where you have to chase down Ryan Newman. No, the hardest one for for me was the Johnny Benson Rockingham Challenge. Yeah. The tires are worn. The gas is low. You got Mark Martin right on your tail. Take us through the last few laps. I'll tell you what, the last few laps were pretty interesting. Uh, You know, we saved, you know, we were able to get up to the front. I kept looking in the mirror. I keep seeing Mark Martin there. But uh, yeah, and I even told Johnny about it. He's like, yeah, that, that race was tough. But I'm like, how did he hold on? Because that car looked way out of shape. But with Rockingham, that's why he was running the top side. The or as I like to call the Larson line. <laughs> yeah, everyone calls it that. Either Larson or Brendan Gunn, because they're the two most notorious for that. Well, and you know, bias you could throw in Johnny Benson, but you know. Um, <laughs> but but yeah. I know one thing: there is one Martinsville race I will never forget. His last NASCAR win, the 2008 Kroger 250 Fall Martinsville Truck Race. Because that race was everything I wanted and then some. It was four days after my birthday. And what I wanted for my birthday pertaining to that race was for Johnny and one of the Bobby Hamilton racing trucks, because we had lost Bobby Hamilton Sr. the previous year, to finish one, two, regardless of order. I wanted Ron Hornaday to DNF, but not because of a crash, so there's no excuses. And lo and behold, all that happened. Yeah. Um, Hornaday ran out of fuel with like four or three to go. And then Kevin Harvick, who was running second, also ran out of fuel. And then Johnny won the race. Dennis Setzer finished second. Oh, my God. Johnny finished like 29th. And that set up a very interesting Homestead finale. And I did not know this until I saw... That podcast from a week ago with Johnny on it. The reason he won the championship is because Johnny himself called an audible to stay out on the last caution when Hornaday pitted. Which I think was good. I remember watching that race too. And yeah, that was good. I thought thought Trebruce had made the call. No, Johnny made the call because Trip wanted him to pit. Johnny made the call to stay out, and that's what won the championship. You know, um... I, I've followed your channel for many years, and I know you're a big fan of a particular game show. Oh, boy. Here we go. Family Feud. <laughs> yeah, Family Feud's one of my favorites, but the main game show I'm known for is Press Your Luck. Oh, I've, I never really watched Press Your Luck. I'm a big Family Feud fanatic, though. Uh, and you know who I think? the I don't know if you'd agree with me on this, but, yeah, Steve Harvey is very beloved. Everyone loves Richard Dawson. My favorite host of that show, he's kind of underrated, Ray Combs. That's my favorite. He is funny as hell. He is. Like the what? Comedian. You know what's so great about this show? We have great people like them. He's a conscious pianist. What do you do? I sell frozen bull semen for artificial insemination. I would love a demonstration, but we don't have time for that. Let's play the (laughs) Yeah, the one that I will always remember, 
regarding Ray is that because he was married, he didn't do the kissing of the female contestants like Richard Dawson had done back during his first run. Yes. Well, here's this lady who respected that and made some kind of funny joke regarding a joke that Ray had said. It says, I know you don't. I know you don't kiss all the women, but let me tell you, you're going to kiss me, baby. And she smothers him. <laughs> oh, my favorite Ray Combs moment was, um... Lipstick on his face. What? I have, two, I have two from Ray Combs that I really like. Tell me something that makes you feel sluggish. Constipation. Then they reveal the answers, and Ray goes, If one of them's constipation, I am walking right off this stage. <laughs> it was the Crawford family and the Lorenz family. Ah. And then there was another one where he goes, um, the question was, tell me a slang term that means wife. And the guy said, he leads into the microphone and says, bitch. And here's the funny part about that. It was divorced couples week. It was the divorced guys versus the divorced couples. I've been looking for that episode for eight fucking years. Pardon my language. Well... Oh, no, you're fine. This is a, this is an this is an explicit podcast. Yeah. Spotify has this listed as explicit. Uncommon. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> and then there was another one. Um, describe the weather with a word or phrase that also describes your wife. Wet. Hmm. Uh. Wet. And then there was um, name something a husband asks his wife to carry for him in her purse. Condoms. Honey, I know we're married, but could you mar- could you carry my condoms? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he was just so funny, and you know, oh, yeah. uh, I wonder if you could provide me with some background regarding his suicide. All right, so Ray was let go from Family Feud in 1994, and what happened was is that the ratings were low because of the O.J. Simpson stuff, and. The idiots who were running the show at the time after the death of Mark Goodson, the creator of the show, this would include his son Jonathan, by the way, okay. had a brilliant idea to revamp the set and replace Ray with the original host, Richard Dawson. The show lasted maybe a year because of the O.J. Simpson stuff, so yeah, that kind of backfired. Well, as for Ray, sometime after he was let go, he, was, he got involved in a pretty serious car wreck. They thought he was paralyzed, but he did regain movement, but he was in a lot of bad pain for the rest of his life. And unfortunately, between that and a bunch of other different financial issues, mainly regarding a couple comedy clubs, you know. And his divorce. Yeah, he was in the process of getting a divorce. They tried to reconcile, but it didn't really work out, and it left Ray very depressed. And he had moved out, moved into an apartment, and right before June, he was talking with his wife on the phone. And she had noticed that he was munching on something. And she made the connection that it was pills, specifically a drug called Valium, which is like an anti, which is a uh, relaxant of sorts. So she called the cops. They got him to a hospital, uh, treated him there. And when she picked him up, she realized. Now, he realized that she was taking him back to the house, and he just up and left there. So, what happened from that point is that, well, the wife and the little ones were at a baseball game. Ray had appeared at the house and looked pretty shooken up. It's debatable what happens there. Either he was on the inside tearing up furniture, or he was on the outside bashing his head against the 
jacuzzi because he claims he slept on the jacuzzi, which I don't think anyone believed at that point. And he was taken to a mental ward on a 72-hour suicide watch. And somehow, because of incompetence of the staff, he still managed to die by suicide of hanging. Did he hang himself like with? A, did he like tie a noose a and hang sheet. himself, or did he do it with a yes. hanger? It was a bed sheet. Okay, it was a bed sheet. Very early in the morning. So he tied a noose with a bed sheet. Right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he was a great. I mean, I, I like watching him on Family Feud and then hearing he killed himself. I was like, what? I mean, I I've dealt with my own mental illnesses, like you, know, like you, yeah. doc, like. And you, that was my first experience with anything regarding mental health and suicide, even before Kevin Grubb's story. And you know, I, you know, I like I said, you know, I I've dealt with mental illness, and I'm a big advocate for it, which is why I offered Jason Jacoby help. Yeah. And, and um, you know. That's what a lot of people have, and that's why I took the approach I did. Because with multiple people saying it, he thought that it was basically insults against his health. That's why I tried to take a different approach to it. And I hope my efforts do not go in vain. Which is exactly like the girl I was involved with. Like, if you say you need help or I'm calling the police. Because she told me she was going to cut herself if I didn't get her that car. I said, I'm calling the police. Then I thought to myself, you know what? What if I took a different approach to this? But I did call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline because... I was stupid. Uh, she really is not suicidal. She just uses that as an excuse. She yeah. then said, I'm not going to do it. And yeah. But uh, first off, I, I do appreciate you for listening. And, you know, you're like I said, I'm a big fan. This was an honor for me. And uh, I really hope to continue to be friends with you and do videos with you in the future. This yeah. this was. I can do that. Oh my gosh! You know, a fellow Benson fan. I don't even know how many Benson fans there are outside of Grand Rapids. Uh, if you ever have the chance, <laughs> come up to Grand Rapids. Well, but I don't know many of them personally. Uh, like basically, if if you know me personally, you know Johnny Benson. You probably know him because of me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm from like like it's well documented. Come to what I'm from West Michigan. I've been to Berlin. I got to meet Johnny there. I think it was like last year, but the first. Yeah, I, I met him twice last year. Like I know, De like I said, Debbie worked with my grandpa. Uh, she'd come down to Benton Harbor and they had lunch. She actually helped him get get his manager fired. You had a complaint, <laughs> you would report it to Debbie Benson. So uh, they said, you know, if you have a complaint, please contact Debbie Benson at KV in Grand Rapids. And so she'd have to drive an hour and a half away. But, you know, it's... It's a nice area. I don't know if you've done much. Re I know you uploaded that. Where are they now? Video about Johnny and um, it they, it showed the famous river and it showed the famous skyscrapers. Um, you know, it brings in the and um, I know you're not really much into politics. I don't know if you're into history. Who was our lone president from Michigan? Oh, who was that? Was it Gerald Ford? Correct. Do you know where he was from? I think he was from Grand Rapids. Yes, he is, or was. He's buried in Grand Rapids. Oh, that's cool. So, like, I can pretty... The, the main reason I seldomly remember that is because I was a part of the high school newspaper, and one of the things that I did was a remembrance for celebrities that had died in 2006, and that included that included Gerald Ford. Yeah, he... Because the two big ones that year, in terms of everyone, was the crocodile hunter Steve Irwin... And the host of Pressure Luck, Peter Tamarkin. 
who is basically the Johnny Benson of game shows. He's my top favorite. Yeah, Steve Irwin. I remember uh, I was a big Steve Irwin guy when I were a kid when I was little. I mean, I had some of his toys and saw him on a few documentaries. I thought that was cool. And, I, you know, that was around the time, you know, when I was in 2006, that's when I found out Mr. Rogers was dead. Yeah, that was 2005, I think that was. 2003. 2003. I knew it was earlier, but I didn't remember the year. It was early in my life. I was only about four years old when that happened. Ah. Okay. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I assume you might, you probably have a question regarding Johnny Benson. You know, if you have any questions for, about Johnny, you know, feel free to shoot him. <laughs> Well, the main thing is uh, basically how you keep in contact with him because I did not know this until you sent me this. He's on Facebook. Yeah, so uh, I, I message him uh, occasionally, but mainly the way we stay in contact is through Carson and Scott. Okay, that's and, cool. And Amy a little because, bit. Yeah, I didn't think he was the social media type because his former website has a Twitter account, but that's run by his sister, Barb. And yeah, I didn't know yeah. any other former contact regarding Johnny himself. So <laughs> I'm in a Facebook was, group with him. He was on Facebook. Yeah, I'm in a Facebook group with him, and that's how I stay in contact with him mostly. That's cool. Yeah, Johnny Benson official fan group. So if you ever get a if you ever get a Facebook, you can add me. I'll invite you to that group, and uh, I'll get you in contact with some people. Uh, so a few questions regarding um, JC1424. How's he doing right now? Uh, to the best of my knowledge, he is doing much better. Yeah. Um, like, he's in another area. I think he's in a hotel. And he's staying there for a minimum of three weeks, basically getting all that stuff together. And I don't know what's going to be going on with him from this point, but he is doing much better. Okay, because I told Joe Gibbs on his website to pray for, for Jared. and Because uh, I requested a Bible from Joe Gibbs. I have his game plan for life, which is really really good i recommend everybody gets it um so i do have one johnny benson diecast. uh it is the 01 james dean car that he ran at indy that my dad saw run jeff gordon won that race and i'm so glad he did because if uh if jeff gordon did not win that race that would have been one of the many times he'd have been screwed over by sterling fucking marlin out of all people Yeah, I got a few Benson die cast myself. I have one 124, and the others are 164s. What's the one 24 you have? It is the 2002 uh, Hot Wheels variant car from Johnny. His Babbling uh, paint scheme oh. 2002 okay. the Hot Wheels box. It's still in the box. I had to cancel an order on the Aaron's and Lycos car because eBay wouldn't let me pay for it. Fuck you, eBay. Um, but do you know any anywhere where I could possibly find the Lycos car? Because that's my third favorite Johnny Benson paint scheme. <laughs> Not right offhand. Like, I guess you could try things related to Google, but who knows? What happened with the switch from Lycos to Aaron's? Lycos never paid up in terms of the money it took to sponsor the car and all that stuff. And I'm not sure how Aaron's got involved. I guess they got in contact with the team that said, hey, we want to sponsor Johnny and all that kind of stuff. Because that's the first time they uh, had a connection. The second time was through Michael Walter for one qualifying run at Nashville, but that was about it. Oh, and that run with Shauna Robinson when she had the all-girl pit crew. 
That was the truck race. <laughs> what happened to Shauna? Uh, Shauna uh, decided to start a family, and I think she uh, still gets involved in that. I don't know if he does any more racing after that, but I do know that she's a mother now. So I have her chase the race car, and that is super rare. My dumbass yeah. took it out of the box. I have Dario Franchitti's Fast and All car, which I'm like, oh, I wow. have to have that. From that failed tackler of a cup, not a cup car. Well, actually, yeah, a cup, because he did run a few cup races. Yeah, um, uh, what else do I have? Um, I've got some and then, deck. His NASCAR career lost into an even better IndyCar career. And that's what, ha- well, that's what Daryl Waltrip said about um, the- Danica. Like, when she came to do NASCAR, that, and you know, that, that typically happens. If Sam Hornish had gone back to IndyCar, if Danica had gone back to IndyCar, they would have done way better. Same. It would have depended on the why. Because Dario, that was kind of a different case. I'm convinced that was Chip Ganassi's way of saying, hey, I caused the injury because I gave you the cup ride and the bush ride and it didn't work out. You got hurt. So here's an IndyCar. Take this. And he and totally screwed over one of my guys over it. Who, who was that? Uh, Reed Sorensen? No, in IndyCar, Dario was essentially given the ride of the late, great Dan Weldon. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. That, that, oh, my God. He was my original Indy guy. I'm a Dixon guy. But, uh. He's got my IndyCar trio. Oh, my gosh. I, I'll tell you the story of the day that Dan Weldon died because I remember that very well. I was so at my. Do I. I remember, I, w- I remember it was my ninth birthday. The actual day was my ninth birthday. We went out to, oh, wow. I was up at my grandparents' lake house in Bangor, not the ones that knew Johnny, uh, my dad's yeah. mom and stepdad. So we were um, leaving to go to Texas Corral, which is a variant of, which is like a Michigan variant of Texas Roadhouse. It's like a Midwest version. So okay. we go there and I'm watching the Indy race and my grandma says, Alex, what's, what's something you're hoping you get for your birthday? And I said, well... I want Dan Weldon to win the IndyCar race because he obviously had that deal with Sam Schmidt and he was going to split that million dollars between him and a fan. It was a $5 million challenge. Oh, yeah. And he said, well, you know, I appreciate the thing that IndyCar and Randy Bernard have given me for this one race. My best Dan Weldon impression. It's not good. That's closer to Steve Irwin, honestly. Well, I, tr- I tried to do IndyCar, but that was not, uh, that's not that good. Um, so. Yeah. This is Steve Irwin. Crikey, mate. I can do a pretty good impression of Mikhail Lotion. My one... Uh, I actually don't recall his voice, so I wouldn't be able to tell. My one strategy through all my career is to kick ass. Okay, that, that makes sense. Because <laughs> he's Russian. Yeah. Born in the same city as I am. And a lot of people that I was... And you know what? A lot of people have actually said I look like him. Which... Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. You probably well. You've seen my face, so yeah. I mean, I my mom says if you have thick eyebrows, you're probably Russian. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so I go to Texas Corral, and the Indy race is just starting when we're sitting oh, down. Fuck. No, 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 no. We sit down. Dan's getting interviewed. Then while I'm eating my chicken tenders, the wreck happens. I fucking drop. My chicken tender. And I said, I hope Weldon wasn't in that. So we finish. We sing happy birthday. We eat the we eat cupcakes. Everything's fine and dandy. 
I come home and turn the TV on. There's Randy Bernard. I can't remember if it was R- Randy Bernard or Ryan Barnhart that it said. Was Bernard. Okay. It was Bernard. He said, um, IndyCar has decided to end the race. I'm like, okay, well, what's. There will be a five lap salute in Dan Weldon's honor. I just fell to the floor. I didn't know what to think. Yeah, my experience is pretty similar because the race was two days after my birthday. Oh, so you were born on October 14th. Yes. Okay, I was October 16th. Yeah, that that sucks for you. Because we decided to stay home, hang out with a few friends, and we were going to watch the IndyCar race at my friend's encouragement because I was kind of iffy about it because Dario. And I was not big with Dario. So... We were watching end the cup race, and the bush race were dominated by Roush guys that I'm not particularly fond of. Edwards. So that didn't really help. So, we were watching the race, and there were a couple of close calls. Then the wreck happened. Everyone just slipped out from there. It was stunned silence. The first thing out of Marty Reed's mouth, I believe Dan Weldon was caught up in that. And it was kind of freaky. And we thought all the drivers were accounted for because everyone was out of the cars. And then we noticed that they're still working on some someone. And one of my friends said, are they still working on somebody's car? And about 30 minutes later, they said that Dan was being airlifted to the hospital. So I basically went to my parents' bedroom, turned the race on, and basically stared at TV for two hours, what felt like two years, just waiting to hear some sort of positive update. And I'll tell you how I figured it out. They were doing their little conversations with all that when all the drivers came back from the media center. And Marty Reed, Scott Goodyear, Eddie Cheever, the three announcers, they were still talking. They cut in to Bernard's announcement. And when they said that the track, I mean, the uh, race was not going to finish, I thought it was because there was too much damage to the racetrack. And when they said they were going to do the five in Weldon's honor, I was a bit confused because I did not hear confirmation that he died. How I figured it out was when Marty Reed was doing his initial announcement, he brought up Paul Dana. And he was the last IndyCar driver killed before Weldon. That's how I figured it out. I had and no idea who Paul I Dana was. screeching no, which if I try to reincarnate him, I'm going to blow your ears up, so I won't do that. And I basically rolled myself to the floor in the fetal position and started crying. And my usual reaction to death is anger. That time I cried because I was that upset over it. It was one of my guys, and it was two days after my birthday. And... It was not a good experience. And then when they were doing the tribute, they played two different songs. I don't know what the first one was, but the second one was Amazing Grace on the Bagpipes. And I started crying even further because my mom had told me when it comes her time, she would want Amazing Grace on the Bagpipes played at her memorial. So that was not a good day and not a good week and not a good rest of the year. Granted, Tony Stewart winning the championship and cup helped a bit, but it was still a pretty bad experience. Moving on from something negative to something positive, um, you brought up Tony Stewart in 2011. That actually was – I was there to watch him win Chicagoland. I skipped school for it. <laughs> I was not – I was eight, I think. Yeah, eight. Anyway, um, 
Do you remember the 2012 Quicken Loans 400 at Michigan? Not by right offhand. Junior won that race. Oh, that one. And I was in the crowd. I was a Gordon. We, my family was a bunch of Gordon fans. I believe the iceberg was too. And um, and I, I we were the Gordon fans in a junior-dominated section. The fans went nuts. <laughs> I, and I was going nuts too, because I really I, imagine. Cause I was, because I was, like I said, I was a junior fan and a Gordon fan and a Benson fan and a Rusty fan. Uh, you know what I've actually started to notice about Kenny is I've seen a major shift in his personality. He's gotten to the point to where he's dropping cuss words left and right. Like, what the hell's going on with Kenny? You mean Funny Bone? Kenny, Kenny Wallace. Wallace. Yeah. Yeah, something's off there. He's changed, and I'm not sure what it is. It's kind of scary when you think about it. It's like, is there something wrong with him that we're not aware of or something like that? Because he recently, when Daryl Wilson retired, he went on this ridiculous tirade against Jenna Fryer for saying the same thing that fans have been saying for like 10 years. I'm going, what are we doing here? Now, Dave Moody, he's just a complete dunce. That's one thing, but... Kenny, something's off there. And apparently he's been bored in his Twitter videos. And I'm not sure what's really going on with her. I kind of wonder if he's okay. Yeah, because I know, because this, Kenny would never say fuck or shit or bitch. He'd never curse. Right. He, he would always, he was a, he's a fun guy. You know, he's, he's an awesome he guy. Is. I like him. He's, I met him. He's, he's funny. I like Brian Vickers too. He's a really nice he's guy. He's actually the first driver I ever met. Kenny or Brian? Kenny. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you. Pro- I mean, you probably would if you were in a room with Brian Vickers. You'd probably yell at him for breaking Benson's ribs. <laughs> but um. No, what I would probably do is just give him an evil look and tip my hat, my Johnny Benson hat, because I got another Johnny Benson hat from the Roush era that I actually got from a relative for Christmas one year. What do, you, I get it. what do you think about the Roush tenure? Uh. I've come to understand that there are certain eras where there are some drivers that are just guinea pigs. And Benson, Kevin LePage, and Ted Musgrave during the late 90s Roush era were the guinea pigs. What That's about Chad Little? It. Yeah. He, he was kind of... Like, yeah, because he was actually the brand new team of the bunch. That's why he couldn't qualify for the 98-2500 after he had gotten crashed out. Yeah, and uh, they later let Chad Little go for Kurt Busch. Benson was, thank God, out of that ride. He was driving for Tyler Jett, who obviously got the bump to MB2 Motorsports. Now, I had the question, why did MB2 run Hendrick Engines? Here's why. GM, Pontiac and Chevy, GM companies. Pontiac and Chevy's essentially the same. Pontiac, Michigan, that's a town. It was named after the pirate Chief Pontiac. Really? Yeah, or I don't know if he was a pirate or a conquistador. (laughs) I would not have a clue. He might have been French, and Michigan, you know, Michigan's actually a Native American word. Um, Actually, if you go to Stevensville... If you go to Stevensville, downtown, same thing with the Wajak where the evil girl lives, you'll actually notice um, a um, 
it actually looks like an old western town, like Back to the Future Part 3. Um, so let me ask you this. What's your favorite auto racing movie? Because mine is Talladega Nights. It's not really Talladega uh, Nights and Days of Thunder. And Last American Hero. Well, this is going to be a bizarre one because there are two that come to my mind. In terms of storyline quality, it's probably going to be Days of Thunder. Oh, yeah. That's why but I love it. There is one movie that I do have that I really did like. There are some out there things about it, but it was a movie that did catch my attention. It's called Driven. With Sylvester Stallone? Yep. hated that movie. I, I didn't like it. Well, here's the thing. Driven is essentially the auto racing equivalent of Ready to Rumble. If you ever heard of that particular movie and its association with what was then known as WCW. Okay. Because essentially the parallels between the two are similar. But I will say this. It may not have been the best movie in the world, but Draven Far and Away has one of the best soundtracks you will ever hear. A lot of the songs that I have that come from Driven, I have. Uh, so here's the thing about Days of Thunder. You probably didn't know this. Tim Dalen, Rick Hendrick. Harry Hogg, Harry Hyde. Cole Trickle, Tim Richmond. Rowdy Burns, Dale Earnhardt. Russ Wheeler, Rusty Wallace. I did not get... I got the Tim Richmond connection, but a lot of that I actually did not know. Yeah, the... Like, uh, Russ Wheeler, who's the enemy driver, was not Russ Wheeler. Was it Russ Wheeler? No, it was Rowdy. At first was it was Rowdy. And it's been a while since they've seen Days of Thunder. Correct me if I'm wrong, but by the end of the movie, Rowdy Burns is deceased? Nobody knows. So it's debatable. People think that's internet speculation. I I don't always like to assume the worst because death is yeah. an, but uh given the fact that what he said, you know, that he's got leaky blood in the brain, that caused my great grandpa to have a near fatal stroke. One of the yeah. very few times I my grandma saw Leading her brother. Brain, right. So, I guess um I yeah, I I, I would say that maybe he so died. I guess the best logical answer would be like a forced retirement or something. Because that is actually what did happen to Buddy Baker to force him uh, to retire from driving. And Bobby Allison. Um, kind of, sort of, in terms of his story. His is more about his the crash that he had to Pocono in 88. Oh, yeah. He won the Daytona yeah. 500 that year. Oldest driver yes, to do did. so. Um, so... Uh, you know, I'm going to open the floor again for you, uh... For any for any questions you have, well, it can be about me personally. It can be about racing. It can be about you know who. It can be about Jason. It can be about YouTube. Just floor's yours. Uh, I don't know if we covered this already, but what was your inspiration to start a YouTube channel? Well, diecast reviews. I had a bunch of them. I had a bunch of diecasts, and I was just bored out of my mind. And I just figured, you know what? Let's do this. I said, I'm not getting back on YouTube until Ryan said, I designed you a logo. I said, fine. What the hell do you want me to post? He said, well, post this, post that. And so uh, I didn't. I, I didn't. Just like commissions of sorts, even before you had a channel. Yeah. And I was like, and do you, th now would you classify my rise to prominence announcing Jason Jacoby was arrested? I mean, that video has got fucking uh, 
Probably, because I noticed that most of the views on your channel are related to your Jason Jacoby videos. So Similar to that of Austin Aganoski. Which I, I've actually spoken with Austin Aganoski about. Awesome guy, by the way. And really, an awesome guitar player. <laughs> I noticed that. Because I review Jason's blogs to see if he says anything that might be a clue to try to help him and all that stuff. And I did notice he says, hey, Austin, can you play piano? And Austin on Twitter responded, no, but I can do this. And he plays guitar. Yeah, I actually play both instruments. I actually had a nice conversation with Jason actually earlier this year about piano. And uh, he asked me how it was going. I'm like, yeah, it's going all right. You know, it's going. He's like, well, if you need any help, you know, let me know. And I sent him a few recordings. And he said, well... I really like this and that, and I said I play guitar too, and I shared those, and I'm gonna play, I'm gonna share some of that with Austin Aganoski. So, you know, Jason, you know, he's a 99% bad per- person, but pro- but he does do 1% good in his life. Kind of like this lady at my church who does 95% good, but I didn't go to church for 18 months. She never had hugged me in the past, and she just autom- just she ran up to me and hugged me and said. And she was like, uh, sorry if I blew out your eardrum, but um, no, you're fine. Uh, we were going to go to Disney World with the band for spring break. And so yeah. she uh, wanted me to do this Last Supper pageant. And I said, no, I can't do it because I'm not going to be here. She's like, well, I thank you for considering it. And she has like a really hoarse voice. And like I and she made me uncomfortable and she'd like touch me all the time. And then uh. one Sunday where she was just giving me a headache, I. She said, Alex, can I have a hug? I said, no, I have to leave. And then she said, can I pout? Every time something doesn't go her way, she pouts like a little child. And so she then, and so my grandparents were like, give her a hug. The ones, the, my grandpa who knows Johnny Benson is, or sort of knew Johnny Benson, uh, was, is really good friends with this lady and always does this pageant. And so he always... So he was like, give her a hug. And I, and I was like, ugh. Then the next Sunday, she's like, he doesn't like me anymore. And I said, I've changed. When I should have said, instead of saying I've changed, I should have just said, I should have just told her the truth. And, you know, um, so that's kind of how that went. But, um, yeah, I mean, we start talking about Jason. Then, you know, I brought that up. So, and yeah, Jason did make me a little uncomfortable because he was jacking it. He was beating his meat to girls who were like 10, 11, 12, even 13 years younger than him. And even sent Joey Tartamello a dick pic when Joey was nine. Now, did he know he was nine? Um, I don't know. Jason, Joey said something along the lines of like hinting at it, but never actually told him. Hmm. So I think he did, but he didn't. Okay, I see. So, um, probably your next question is what start what got me into the podcast. I think I have an idea, but go ahead. Uh, well, tell me what your idea is, then I'll correct you if you're wrong. If the conversations we had a while ago are any indication, it's because you did it out of boredom. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so yeah, uh, we're getting to the last uh few minutes here once again thank you to ultimate 23 dragon for taking this couple of hours out of your day uh really means a lot for me and uh uh we i really appreciate this uh got any closing remarks (laughs) 
I'll just thank you for having me on. All right. That's Ultimate 23 Dragon. Um, Go Johnny Benson, I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>